0: Chapter 5 of Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm by Kate Douglas Wiggin. Chapter 5: Wisdom's Ways. The day of Rebecca's arrival had been Friday, and on the Monday following she began her education at the school which was in Riverborough Center. About a mile distant, Miss Sawyer borrowed a neighbor's horse and wagon and drove her to the schoolhouse, interviewing the teacher, Miss Dearborn, arranging for books, and generally starting the child on the path that was to lead to boundless knowledge. Miss Dearborn, it may be said in passing, had no special preparation in the art of teaching. It came to her naturally, so her family said, and perhaps for this reason. She, like Tom Tulliver's clergyman tutor, set about it with that uniformity of method and independence of circumstances which distinguish the actions of animals understood to be under the immediate teaching of nature. You remember the beaver which a naturalist tells us busied himself as earnestly in constructing a dam in a room up three pair of stairs in London as if he had been laying his foundation in a lake in Upper Canada it was his function to build the absence of water or of possible progeny was an accident for which he was not accountable in the same manner did miss dearborn lay what she fondly imagined to be foundations in the infant mind rebecca walked to school after that first morning she loved this part of the day's programme when the dew was not too heavy and the weather was fair there was a shortcut through the woods she turned off the main road crept through uncle josh woodman's bars waved away mrs carter's cows trod the short grass of the pasture with its well-worn path running through gardens of buttercups and white weed and groves of ivory leaves and sweet fern she descended a little hill jumped from stone to stone across a woodland brook startling the drowsy frogs who were always winking and blinking in the morning sun then came the woodsy bit with her feet pressing the slippery carpet of brown pine needles the woodsy bit so full of dewy morning surprises fungus growths of brilliant orange and crimson springing up around the stumps of dead trees beautiful things born in a single night and now and then the miracle of a little clump of waxen indian pipes seen just quickly enough to be saved from her careless tread then she climbed a stile went through a grassy meadow slid under another pair of bars and came out into the road again having gained nearly half a mile how delicious it all was rebecca clasped her quake and Beau's grammar and greenleaf's arithmetic with a joyful sense of knowing her lessons her dinner pail swung from her right hand and she had a blissful consciousness of the two soda biscuits spread with butter and syrup the baked cup custard the doughnut and the square of hard gingerbread sometimes she said whatever piece she was going to speak on the next friday afternoon
1: a soldier of the legion lay dying in algiers there was lack of woman's nursing there was dearth of woman's tears
0: how she loved the swing and the sentiment of it how her young voice quivered whenever she came to the refrain
1: but we'll meet no more at bingen dear bingen on the rhine
0: it always sounded beautiful in her ears as she sent her tearful little treble into the clear morning air another early favourite for we must remember that rebecca's only knowledge of the great world of poetry consisted of the selections in vogue in school readers was
1: woodman spare that tree touch not a single bough in youth it sheltered me and i'll protect it now
0: when emma jane perkins walked through the short cut with her the two children used to render this with appropriate dramatic action emma jane always chose to be the woodman because she had nothing to do but raise on high an imaginary axe on the one occasion when she essayed the part of the tree's romantic protector she represented herself as feeling so awful foolish that she refused to undertake it again much to the secret delight of rebecca who found the woodman's role much too tame for her vaulting ambition she revelled in the impassioned appeal of the poet and implored the ruthless woodman to be as brutal as possible with the axe so that she might properly put greater sprint into her lines one morning feeling more frisky than usual she fell upon her knees and wept in the woodman's petticoat curiously enough her sense of proportion rejected this as soon as it was done
1: that wasn't right it was silly emma jane but i'll tell you where it might come in And give me three grains of corn You be the mother, and I'll be the famishing Irish child. For pity's sake, put the axe down. You are not the woodman any longer. What'll I do with my hands, then?
0: Asked Emma Jane.
1: Whatever you like.
0: Rebecca answered wearily.
1: You're just a mother, that's all. What does your mother do with her hands? Now here goes. Give me three grains of corn, mother, only three grains of corn. Twill keep the little life I have till the coming of the morn. This
0: sort of thing made Emma Jane nervous and fidgety. But she was Rebecca's slave and hugged her chains, no matter how uncomfortable they made her. At the last pair of bars, the two girls were sometimes met by a detachment of the Simpson children, who lived in a black house with a red door and a red barn behind on the Blueberry Plains Road. Rebecca felt an interest in the Simpsons from the first, because there were so many of them, and they were so patched and darned, just like her own brood at the home farm. The little schoolhouse, with its flagpole on top and its two doors in front, one for boys and the other for girls, stood on the crest of a hill, with rolling fields and meadows on one side, a stretch of pine woods on the other, and the river glinting and sparkling in the distance. It boasted no attractions within. All was as bare and ugly and uncomfortable as it well could be for the villages along the river expended so much money in repairing and rebuilding bridges that they were obliged to be very economical in school privileges the teacher's desk and chair stood on a platform in one corner there was an uncouth stove never blackened oftener than once a year a map of the united states two blackboards a ten-quart tin pail of water and long-handled dipper on a corner shelf and wooden desks and benches for the scholars who only numbered twenty in rebecca's time the seats were higher in the back of the room and the more advanced and longer-legged pupils sat there the position being greatly to be envied as they were at once nearer to the windows and farther from the teacher there were classes of a sort although nobody broadly speaking studied the same book with anybody else or had arrived at the same degree of proficiency in any one branch of learning rebecca in particular was so difficult to classify that miss dearborn at the end of a fortnight gave up the attempt altogether she read with dick carter and living perkins who were fitting for the academy recited arithmetic with lisping little thuthun thimthun geography with emma jane perkins and grammar after school hours to miss dearborn alone full to the brim as she was of clever thoughts and quaint fancies she made at first but a poor hand at composition the labor of writing and spelling with the added difficulties of punctuation and capitals interfered sadly with the free expression of ideas she took history with alice robinson's class which was attacking the subject of the revolution while rebecca was bidden to begin with the discovery of america in a week she had mastered the course of events up to the revolution and in ten days had arrived at yorktown where the class had apparently established summer quarters then finding that extra effort would only result in her reciting with the oldest simpson boy she deliberately held herself back for wisdom's ways were not those of pleasantness nor her paths those of peace if one were compelled to tread them in the company of Seesaw Simpson, Samuel Simpson was generally called Seesaw because of his difficulty in making up his mind. Whether it were a question of fact, of spelling, or of date, of going swimming or fishing, of choosing a book in the Sunday school library, or a stick of candy at the village store he had no sooner determined on one plan of action than his wish fondly reverted to the opposite one Cecil was pale flaxen-haired blue-eyed round-shouldered and given to stammering when nervous perhaps because of his very weakness rebecca's decision of character had a fascination for him and although she snubbed him to the verge of madness he could never keep his eyes away from her the force with which she tied her shoe when the lacing came undone, the flirt over shoulder she gave her black braid when she was excited or warm, her manner of studying book on desk, arms folded, eyes fixed on the opposite wall all had an abiding charm for Seesaw Simpson. When, having obtained permission, she walked to the water pail in the corner and drank from the dipper, unseen forces dragged Seesaw from his seat to go and drink after her it was not only that there was something akin to association and intimacy in drinking next but there was the fearful joy of meeting her in transit and receiving a cold and disdainful look from her wonderful eyes on a certain warm day in summer rebecca's thirst exceeded the bounds of propriety when she asked a third time for permission to quench it at the common fountain miss dearborn nodded but lifted her eyebrows unpleasantly as rebecca neared the desk as she replaced the dipper seesaw promptly raised his hand and miss dearborn indicated a weary affirmative
1: what is the matter with you rebecca
0: she asked
1: i had salt mackerel for breakfast
0: answered rebecca there seemed nothing humorous about this reply which was merely the statement of a fact but an irrepressible titter ran through the school miss dearborn did not
2: enjoy jokes neither made nor understood by herself and her face flushed i think you had better stand by the pail for five minutes rebecca it may help you to control your thirst rebecca's heart fluttered she to
0: stand in the corner by the water-pail and be stared at by all the scholars she unconsciously made a gesture of angry dissent and moved a step nearer to her seat but was arrested by miss dearborn's command in a still firmer voice
2: stand by the pail rebecca samuel how many times have you asked for water today? this is the f-fourth don't touch the dipper please the school has done nothing but drink this afternoon it has had no time whatever to study i suppose you had something salt for breakfast samuel queried
0: miss dearborn with sarcasm i had m-mackerel J-
2: J- just like Rebecca, B- B- irrepressible giggles by the school. I judged so. Stand by the other side of the pail, Samuel. Rebecca's head was bowed with shame and wrath. Life looked too black
0: a thing to be endured. The punishment was bad enough, but to be coupled in correction with Seesaw Simpson was beyond human endurance. Singing was the last exercise in the afternoon and minnie Smelly chose shall we gather at the river it was a baleful choice and seemed to hold some secret and subtle association with the situation and general progress of events or at any rate there was apparently some obscure reason for the energy and vim with which the scholars shouted the choral invitation again and again
1: shall we gather
0: Miss dearborn stole a look at rebecca's bent head and was frightened the child's face was pale save for two red spots glowing on her cheeks tears hung on her lashes her breath came and went quickly and the hand that held her pocket-handkerchief trembled like a leaf you may go to your
2: seat rebecca said miss dearborn at the end of the first song samuel stay where you are till the close of school "'And let me tell you, scholars, that I asked Rebecca to stand by the pail only to break up this habit of incessant drinking, which is nothing but empty-mindedness and desire to walk to and fro over the floor. Every time Rebecca has asked for a drink to-day, the whole school has gone to the pail, one after another. She is really thirsty, and I dare say I ought to have punished you for following her example, not her for setting it. What shall we sing now, Alice?' the old oaken bucket please think of something dry alice and change the subject yes the star-spangled banner if you like or anything else rebecca sank into her seat and pulled the singing-book
0: from her desk miss dearborn's public explanation had shifted some of the weight from her heart and she felt a trifle raised in her self-esteem under the cover of the general relaxation of singing votive offerings of respectful sympathy began to make their appearance at her shrine living perkins who could not sing dropped a piece of maple sugar in her lap as he passed her on his way to the blackboard to draw the map of maine alice robinson rolled a perfectly new slate pencil over the floor with her foot until it reached rebecca's place while her seatmate emma jane had made up a little mound of paper balls and labeled them bullets for (laughs) you-know-who altogether existence grew brighter and when she was left alone with the teacher for her grammar lesson she had nearly recovered her equanimity which was more than miss dearborn had the last clattering foot had echoed through the hall Seesaw's backward glance of penitence had been met and answered defiantly by one of cold disdain rebecca i am afraid i punished you more than i meant said miss dearborn who was only eighteen herself and in her year of teaching country schools had never encountered a child like rebecca
1: i hadn't missed a question this whole day nor whispered either
2: quavered the culprit
1: and i don't think i ought to be shamed just for drinking
2: you started all the others or it seemed as if you did whatever you do they all do whether you laugh or miss or write notes or ask to leave the room or drink and it must be stopped
1: sam simpson is a copycat
2: stormed rebecca
1: I wouldn't have mind standing in the corner alone, that is, not so very much, but I couldn't bear standing with him.
2: I saw that you couldn't, and that's the reason I told you to take your seat and left him in the corner. Remember that you are a stranger in the place, and they take more notice of what you do, so you must be careful. Now, let's have our conjugations. Give me the verb to be, potential mood, past perfect tense.
1: I might have been, thou mightst have been. HE MIGHT HAVE BEEN, WE MIGHT HAVE BEEN, YOU MIGHT HAVE BEEN, THEY MIGHT HAVE BEEN.
2: GIVE ME AN EXAMPLE, PLEASE.
1: I MIGHT HAVE BEEN GLAD, THOU MIGHTST HAVE BEEN GLAD, HE, SHE, OR IT MIGHT HAVE BEEN GLAD.
2: HE OR SHE MIGHT HAVE BEEN GLAD BECAUSE THEY ARE MASCULINE AND FEMININE, BUT COULD IT HAVE BEEN GLAD? ASKED Miss Dearborn,
0: who was very fond of splitting hairs. WHY NOT? ASKED REBECCA.
2: BECAUSE IT IS NEUTER GENDER.
1: "'Couldn't we say the kitten might have been glad if it had known it was not going to be drowned?'
2: yes Miss Dearborn
0: answered hesitatingly, never very sure of herself under Rebecca's fire.
2: "'But though we often speak of a baby, a chicken, or a kitten as it, they are really masculine or feminine gender, not neuter.' Rebecca reflected a long moment, and then asked,
1: "'Is a hollyhock neuter?'
2: "'Oh, yes, of course it is, Rebecca.'
1: well couldn't we say the hollyhock might have been glad to see the rain but there was a weak little hollyhock bud growing out of its stalk and it was afraid that it might be hurt by the storm so the big hollyhock was kind of afraid instead of being real glad
0: miss dearborn looked
2: puzzled as she answered of course rebecca hollyhocks could not be sorry or glad or afraid really
1: we can't tell i suppose
2: replied the child
1: but i think they are anyway now what shall i say
2: the subjunctive mood past perfect tense of the verb to know
1: if i had known if thou hadst known if he had known if we had known if you had known if they had known oh what is the saddest tense
0: sighed rebecca with a little break in her voice
1: nothing but ifs 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 and it makes you feel that if only they had known things might have been better
0: miss dearborn had not thought of it before but on reflection she believed the subjunctive mood was a
2: sad one and if rather a sorry part of speech give me some more examples of the subjunctive rebecca and that will do for this afternoon she said
1: if i had not loved mackerel i should not have been thirsty
0: said rebecca with an april smile as she closed her grammar
1: if thou hadst loved me truly thou wouldst not have stood me up in the corner if samuel had not loved wickedness he would have not followed me to the water-pail
2: and if rebecca had loved the rules of the school she would have controlled her thirst finished miss dearborn with a kiss
0: and the two parted friends chapter five